welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. I'm incredibly thankful that we now live in a world where pursuing a life where you can support yourself with your art and creativity is now a completely viable idea. When my mum was young and she was a potter, it was the time of co-ops and you felt like you were on the edges of real life. When I was younger, it was still very much seen as a side gig thing and you had to be pretty sure of yourself to really commit to it and you still might be a little bit on the fringes. I think you do still need need to really believe in the importance of allowing your creative and artistic life space if you're going to succeed to make it a career. And it is still a hard slog, but that's not enough. While in some ways it's never been easier to get your name and work in front of your audience, in other ways there's so much marketing and brand building to do as well as all that boring businessy stuff. One of the things I love about our guest today, Greg Strait, is he's managed to build a business that mixes his fine art passion with his work in the commercial space and the accessible, this means lower cost prints, art space. Greg could be described as an illustrator, artist, graphic designer, but in recent years he's grown to become one of New Zealand's most prolific illustrators, carving out a niche generating custom illustrations for high profile brands who want to stand out. Greg's work is all around us. You've probably seen some of it. He's had nationwide campaigns for household brands and you'll find his designs on tote bags, reusable coffee cups, I've got one in my kitchen, drink labels, billboards and magazine covers to name a few. His distinctive and versatile style has become in demand by a number of iconic Kiwi brands and international clients. Enjoy this episode learning more about Greg and how to thrive more as a creative business owner. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Map It Marketing. I'm your host, Rachel Claver, and thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first show, please be sure to go and check out some of our previous episodes and also make sure that you come and be part of our Facebook group, Map It Marketing, where you can come and ask any questions. The link to that is in the show notes. I'm really excited about today's guest because um, he's an artist. And I love artists. Um, and before we jump into to introducing you to him, I would like to encourage you also to check out in the show notes my new book, Be a Spider, Build a Web, all about how to create a sticky content marketing strategy for your small business. It's a book that I have absolutely poured everything into. I'm feeling very vulnerable about people reading it, just in case you all hate it, but I'm pretty sure you won't. So have a little look and a listen, and it does come with a free workbook to help you walk through the stuff we teach. Right, with no more ado, I'd love to introduce you today, today's guest, Greg Strait. He is an incredible artist. He has a real focus on a commercial side where you can see, you probably will have seen his products. I have a coffee cup of his in my kitchen. And um, he's just, he's a great example of how you can have a creative side and run a business that supports it. So um, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, have a chat to you this morning. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, before we start, do you want to give, because I, I gave a proper intro in the intro yes. bit, um, yeah. like you haven't even heard the intro, but I gave a proper one there. Okay. But do you want to just give a bit of a background about, you know, who you are and where you came from? Because like you went to art school, right? I did. Yeah, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a Bachelor of Fine Arts at Elam 
uh, with Auckland University, um, and then did a little bit of um, training for graphic design. Well, my father was a graphic designer. I always thought that I wouldn't go into graphic design and wanted to be a painter, but I went into graphic design. And then, yeah, I think it's like 22, 23 years of graphic design, um, but the last maybe like eight years, more making artwork and commercial illustration. So, um, yeah, the illustration is quite different to the design work. So less of the branding, um, sort of corporate sort of stuff, and then more kind of drawing commercial illustrations for different clients in New Zealand and, and overseas, really. So it's been quite a lot going on <laughs> the last little while. So one of the things that I think you and a lot of other successful artists today have in common is you do end up creating a kind of a portfolio career. It's all creative, but some of it is fine art. Some of it's kind of the accessible art and some of it's commercial art. Is that right? Yeah, yes, that's right. So I think it was um, the, day, the day job I had for seven years. Uh, well, we had, um, we had Chloe, uh, our daughter, was sort of um, something I took, and it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but it paid the bills. And mm. it wasn't really sort of, um, I thought I was sort of going nowhere, so I decided to create some artwork and, and started drawing when she was asleep and just kind of just trying to do something more creative for me, like a personal project. And I sort of created some art prints. I sold them to some friends. I kind of worked out how to frame them. Um, then there was a couple of galleries that were interested and just sort of like grew from there sort of organically. But I think I had to just do something for, for me that wasn't the commercial work, for the client-based work, because then you're kind of just doing just what you want to do. It's not a personal project. It's your own sort of journey. And I felt like that was just something I needed to kind of create a bit of a spark or energy or enthusiasm back towards art and, um, and, and fine art, really. And I think that creatives will really understand that because I think most of us in whatever creative space we're in realize that that creativity, that gift actually helps us create a whole lot of other sensible work doesn't it like and if you don't have it it makes yeah. it harder to do that other stuff yeah well, it's sort of been been quite good because it's got two different sort of uh, income streams so one's the kind of um commercial arts so which commercial illustration and there's the fine art sort of stuff so they're both you know the they're both enjoyable but you know the stuff that you're doing for yourself is always the, the more fun kind of stuff but i think it's good to have both because there are, realize there's only so many hours in a day you can do client work you can work all evening you can work weekends but you know, once you stop working, uh, the income stops coming in. But if you can have like a product that you're proud of, that you enjoy making, then you could sell sell that. So you can maybe sell some artwork while you're asleep and it can be something you sell overseas and, and, and stuff like that. So I think having both um, incomes has been really good good for us. And, and the, yeah. So a question on that, like, obviously when you've got commercial work coming in, they're often quite specific about the brief. Or do you get to talk to them or massage that brief a bit not really yeah, uh, it's normally quite specific right yeah it is with the time frames and what they're kind of after i mean sometimes they see some artwork that they like and they're like oh can you do something like in that style or can you we love what you you know the great clients the ones go we like what you do just do your thing and you don't you know but then there's other ones where and some of the smaller budget ones they just like oh we can we have this and this and this and then we can we change it and be like that and so you end up sometimes watering down a great you know, where you started with to something that you're not maybe a hundred percent happy with, but I always try and make everything, you know, do the best I can, meet the deadline, make it look, you know, as amazing within the time frame. But um, yeah, sometimes it's the um it's the, the clients that like the art and they want you to be, be you, you doing you. Mm. And I think that and that's the 
the best kind of client, really. I think you've literally spoken to every single copywriter, musician, artist, you know, video person, any everyone. Like I've gone through that as a writer too. Yeah. Where you know that when you can just be who you are, that's when you're the best work that you can give them. But yes. they want to fit you. They go, I love you and I love what you do, but can you fit into this square little box of what I need you to do? And it stops yes. being your magic as much. Yeah. Like if you do a really good job yes yeah yeah but it doesn't have I, that delight yes and and you know that sort of collaboration with blunt um the, 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 i was going to ask you about out. that yeah do you want to talk about that yeah that was a really good one because they just sort of came to me and they sort of emailed me and said would you be interested in doing a collaboration and of course i mean i love blunt and i love the sort of artists they you know do collaborations with and it just felt like a good fit um mm -hmm. But I found it a bit challenging at first because a lot of my work is very sort of geometric and um, hard edged. But and I realized that's like, that like it's a circle, right? It's a circle. <laughs> and then also just the logistics of like getting it cut and registering it and all meeting up. So I kind of took a bit more of an organic approach, approach to it. And it's sort of inspired by the ocean and hand drew it and hand painted it. Went to the local beach and found shapes and drew stuff down there. And, and so the idea was like looking through a rock pool of like standing there looking at the sort of the shells and the seaweed and the fish within that sort of thing. So it kind of sort of worked. I thought water, you know, rain from the, the sky and it kind of had that, and I'm really, um, and you know, I really love surfing and being by the beach and a lot of my stuff has beach references. So it seemed like a good thing. And yeah, and that, and, that, and they really liked what I did. And it was, there were really kind of like no changes apart from some color changes. Um, and then the product came and we did a little video and it's like a really nice, thing to have and it's one of my most favorite projects to work on which is um yeah different to some of the other clients I've kind of you know people I've worked with but I think as you get more established and your career goes on you often can sniff out those ones that you can sense trouble and you know but it's but, but then also if you haven't got that much going on it's easy to go I'll just take that one but you kind of know that it might be a bit of a headache yeah and that's something yeah. you've had to do I mean that is something that is a bit of a I think one of the things that you have in common with a lot of other artists or creatives in general, and it's something I've also done in terms of my writing, is you do have to have as an artist, it's all well and good to have this purity of mission and this purity of focus and vision of this is my art and it's precious yes. and it's amazing. But then there's this pragmatic side of I just have to pay the freaking bills. And yeah. sometimes to get to this place where you're free enough in this artistic space, mm. there's a pragmatic side too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, years ago, I used to always think about the word being commercial, uh, commercial art or, you know, commercial music was sort of like, you know, stuff on the radio you'd hear that you really didn't like. I like alternative music and punk rock mm -hmm. and stuff. So that was what I was. So I didn't want to be commercial. didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. But, you know, with commercial, you know, some people say that my work is commercial. And I, I, and I think that's actually kind of like a positive thing because I've got a product that I can sell. Mm. I don't want to be an artist or a creative where I have canvases and canvases and canvases in my garage that no one sees, no one buys, no one really enjoys. And then I'm just bitter with the world because no one wants my stuff. So I kind of feel like, you know, I've, I've sort of worked on a style and, and you know, so a lot of my work has New Zealand references and it just feels like, You've got to do something if you want to make a living and support your family you have to sort of commercialize what you do in some way just go on to a different products or working with different people that's packaging or you know whatever it is um i think if you're going to make it and you want to sell it you've got to think about what you're actually doing and um 
being commercial is, you know, it's actually a, a good thing because, you know, it's either me doing this or trying to get a job as a builder or something else, but I, I'm no good at anything else. So <laughs> maybe a house painter, uh, but really it's, um, yeah, it, it's sort of like, I think you have to be, you have to put your commercial hat on. And mm. yeah, I think also as a small business, you've got to step up and um, kind of, there's so many other things you have to embrace with the business, like, you know, the GST and the mm. tax and all the other stuff. Um, luckily I've got um, Hannah, uh, my wife who works with me. So she, looks after a lot of the other stuff that I'm not so good good with, you know, the invoicing and the and the sort of um, you know, a lot of stuff with social media and just um, payment and tax and GST. She's she's really good with that stuff. But I think if I was trying to do everything myself, it would just be too overwhelming because sometimes it's just enough trying to manage the clients and get the work done and then look at the next jobs that are coming in and making sure um, there's like an even amount of work because it's 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 not really like that. It's sort of like you know, five jobs all at once, once right? And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, and you got to kind of like, and there's then within what's coming up next. So then it's a good juggle. So I feel like it's sometimes it's a bit like a hamster and a wheel, just trying to get it done. And you work really intensely with somebody, and then that job finishes, and you know, you feel like you run a marathon. The next person comes in. I've got a deadline in three days or one week or two weeks. Can you do it? You know, sort of. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes it's just I think the jobs that are actually really enjoyable, the ones that have a reasonable deadline, the budget's good. They respect what you do. They want you to do your thing, and and you sort of hear what they their, their problem, and you work a solution for for what they're kind of after, and everyone's kind of happy. That's the. That's the I, kind of I I do think as a create like creative people, um, and I mean I'm putting myself in that camp because I have the creative temperament of not liking admin. Um, so but I do think with creativity that it is really helpful to have someone to help do some of the other parts like in mm. having those partnerships work super well I mean I definitely appreciate the fact that I've got my husband doing those things and remembering like my biggest thing is remembering to pay bills like I just it's not that I don't want to yeah. pay him but to me like it's just like it's such an unnecessary job to have to sit here and do <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I, or invoicing people you know like yeah. whereas he's like I've got it I've sorted it out and I, I do think that having support as soon as you can afford it or if you're in a position like you guys where it's a husband wife team yes. or you know being able to do that together really helps you go and do the thing that you're best at too doesn't yes. it yeah yeah i mean it, 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 i mean it, there is some sort of, like i suppose some downsides when you kind of you talk about work all the time you leave work, yeah. about work you've got one sort of income one stream coming in so you yes. can't you know there's not one person who's got a you know, different job that have the regular income so you've got your you got no holiday holiday pay, you got no sick pay, you got all those things. So that they're things to consider. But I think for what I do, it's great to have that extra support and kind of work as a team on on, on things really. I have to admit that because we also have our daughter working with us, our youngest daughter, every time a business thing comes up at the table, she rolls her eyes. Um, yeah, and her yeah, way of coping yeah, with yeah, it is to go, let's talk about okay. interesting me. <laughs> Yeah, my, my daughter's like my daughter's like that. Chloe's like that. She's like, hello. Like, and we're talking in the car, and she'll be in the back, pick her up after her, she does her work, and she's like, hello, I am here. Or oh, you know, I know, talk about something else because it's not really. But she's on her phone anyway. But sometimes there's things you've got to talk about that's work related. But um, going back to that, I think sometimes it, you know, quoting for jobs is being oh, quite you know, yeah. pitching and quoting that takes quite a lot of time, and it's almost like the more time you allocate to doing that 
sometimes it's a better chance you've got of actually getting a job, yeah. you know, but you're so busy focused on getting the workout that you don't really, don't really do that. And I used to always kind of go on the side of like, this is how many hours I think the job's going to take me to do. It's all going to run smoothly. There might be a little bit here and there back and forth. I might say a round of amendments here, a round of amendments there. But these days it just seems like there's so much other stuff like mm. correspondence, things going back and forth, phone calls, meetings. So even though that, that's the amount of time to actually create the work and do it, um, there's all that other stuff. It could be like another half the time, you know. So it's trying to now I'm just trying to like add, put that into the quote. And mm. some of you think that sounds like too much, but that's what it's going to take because that's how much time it's going to, going to take. Yeah, I think um, one of the things, because I work with a lot of small business owners like you, but we sometimes work with quite large companies, not as big as some of the corporate groups that you work with, but some quite large ones. And one of the things I think is a real challenge when you're working with that type of client is that they have the budget, which is really good. So it's often that side is kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. But corporates have a culture of meetings mm. and they're on salaries. Mm. So they can go, I want to have another meeting with Greg or Rachel, you know, and hey, you can come over and see me at my office or wherever. And yeah. they're not understanding that as we're the creators or for mm. me, a strategy as we're those people doing that work, yeah. when we get in our car or stop our day with a meeting, it actually disrupts a whole lot of work that we can be doing for the day. And yes. that's the cost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> this is, it's an hour or two hours out of your working week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's two hours of work. You know, they sort of, I think there's other distractions that come involve you know come into the week as well so all of a sudden you're cutting down your hours that you can actually work and then you know the cost of living is going up petrol's going up supplies are going up and you actually know need to be at your computer doing the work and you don't want to be working in the evenings and weekends no. that's that you can't everyone's done a lot of that but that's just not sustainable you start to feel pretty shitty after mm. too much time like that I am. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a client the other day because she was asked me to do some work, which um, is a type of work I only do on a single day. Mm. And she hadn't kind of come back to me and I said, cool, I'll be doing it next Thursday. And she came back and said, what, do you only work one day a week now? And I said, yeah. no, but I now have Mondays as my admin day and kind of my kind of stuff like that. Fridays is my podcast and writing and yeah. all that sort of side day. I have two days for strategy and then I have one day for all the other extra work. And yes. that's a Thursday. And yeah. I think for me, and it's not always possible, and I do definitely cheat on this, but that has really helped me because if mm. someone wants a meeting, I go, cool, that's this day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Because uh, I know Stephanie, who we were working with before, and then we've, we've spoken mm. to you before, about her giving giving me like a, a day a week, or just saying, just rec recommending, have a day a week doing your artwork, and then that's the day. And then I never could really do it because there was so much client work. It's like, well, the deadline's on Monday, so I better work Friday. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not structuring your week, and you actually the artwork never actually happens. So mm. I kind of end up like... I know that the artwork can scale up and I can sell more of the art, but I need to have the time to develop it. And if you're just doing it in the evenings, <clears throat> which I was kind of doing, or so hard, two, right? two hours before the um, you know, the TV's on, you're trying to do it all, but it just it feel it started to feel a bit like a chore. Like I had to kind of do it because we needed a new range or we needed some new prints and um, and then it took a bit of the love out of it. And so I kind of, you know, doing that Friday has actually been. I have already tried to stick to that this year, and I think it really helps just getting things going and just, just I need a little bit more time. But I think that that one day was really good to, to try and focus on that and push the client work out. 
because I think the other thing, and this is really important for creatives, like this was, it was a huge thing for me to go, okay, Fridays is my day to do podcasts, to write my stuff article. You know, I have a few other bits and pieces that I do. I'm trying to do two podcasts a day. So like doing that stuff, but my oh. breakthrough, and everyone's going to know that's my schedule because I've just told everyone, but my thing is this, no one can see your calendar. Yeah. No one knows what you're working on on the day that you're not available. Hmm. You're the only one. So if so, if you say to someone, sorry, I can't meet you on Friday, I'm fully booked out. They hmm. don't know that you're booked out for your own business. I mean, they yeah. might now, but even if they do, we should be working on our business and that's okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's and, and I like you, you surf, right? I do, yes. If you had booked a surf thing hmm. and something else little came up, like a meeting, would you change your surf time or would you? Uh, depends what meeting it was, really. It always seems like... If it was, I'll give you a million dollars, well, then you're going to change it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It depends. If it's something local and it's really, really good, I try not to. But, uh, Rachel, my dog's at the window trying to get out. I'm still letting her out. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. I'll let you into a little secret. Before, when she was sort of um, trying to get out, get out the door here I go to my coffee cup and I put it down here and she was like licking the coffee and milk around the top of it just to keep it quiet yeah he's like I'm just I'll still have the caffeine but now she's completely like I need to get out I need to get out she's doing Um, laps around the garden like a a dog in something about Mary (laughs) I kind of want to keep that in now but I think it would be wrong yeah um yeah, but no, no, everything you're saying, everything you're saying is really, really true and really good. Um, and I think you, you recommended, um, you know, blocking in some time for it, because we sort of said that maybe, you know, how much can you, can you do in one day on the art? So maybe it is like kind of like putting in like three days into the calendar. I think that's something that I, I'm going to really try and do is like structure my calendar better and try and book in the time to when the artwork comes in and also social media, like talking about, how are we going to do the social media and what we're going to do as opposed to on the fly, you know, you know, 10 to five, well, we haven't done one yet. Or what should we do? Or should we take a picture of this? And there's never really been much um, structure with uh, the social media sort of posts. But I think, you know, that's something we kind of need to get organized with. I do think that all of this is about adding new habits in a lot of the time. And I do, I also think, and I don't know if this is true with, with creative stuff, but do you think because, you know, you've, I mean, you've been in that commercial space and that's where you've done it. Do you think that there's like this little underneath thing of going, it's kind of, it's too, because you love the art yourself, creating the art, does it feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm really allowed to do this because it feels a bit self-indulgent. Yep. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I should be doing client work because client work makes the money. And that, and you know, you do the client work, and then at the end of the week, you can put an invoice in or you know, get paid on the 20th. But when you do the actual artwork, you don't get any money for that. So if you do three or four days of it, you've got no money coming in. So it's hard to pay the mortgage. Mm. So the reality is that you try and squeeze it in different times. Or yeah. if everyone's busy at home, you have like a half day on a Saturday. Um, but you do, yeah, there is that there was that feeling. But I think when I spoke to Stephanie, she's like, well. There's only so many hours you can do doing your commercial work, but, you know, just keep building on your art stuff and you could double it or triple it. And then, so that's where I kind of thought, actually, I shouldn't feel bad about it. It's still making money. I'm not like doing something else. I'm actually, you know, it's still, it still is work, even though it doesn't really feel like work. 
it is work and it, it is going to benefit the business and things. So and at least you make money from it. I like last year, I took my two weeks off to write my book and then a day a week for four months to write my book. I've mm. paid $6,000 to a person who helps me with the coaching and helped me through the self-publishing stage. I've just paid two and a half thousand dollars to get 250 copies sold. Who knows if I'm going to get those sold, you know, and yeah. I've paid someone to help me with publicity. So like I'm now down all that time, plus yes. probably around 10 grand for something that really is for me, just something that I do believe in it and I love it, yes. but it was that I have to do this for me. Yes. I mean, how yeah, indulgent, yeah. and it took, it took time out of our business for me to do yes. that. So at least yours is making money. Like you are well ahead of me on this. Uh, but no, I think there's something about doing a book. I mean, it's something you've always wanted to do a book. You've got a book and you don't know where that's going to, you know, people will pick it up for years to come and they're going to enjoy it. And it is, yeah, it's one of those things. I was asked to do a children's book, uh, but it was like years ago. It was um, when my daughter was at school, her school teacher, her husband had a publishing company and they wanted me to do a children's book. So yeah. I did this, this children's book and I was working at my full-time job at the time and I ended up doing like, I was working, for, so once the kids had got, gone to bed, and I had dinner, so I started at eight, and I went from eight to probably about one each more each day. And then I'd wake up and I'd go to work the next day, but then often one of the kids would wake up in the night, so I'd be up in the night. And then oh. some of those I'd be in my computer and think, I always go straight through. Why don't I just go straight through and not actually like go to sleep at all? Mm. And um, I did that for like three months. Um, and my friends said I was like a zombie at, um, at, at work. Yeah, and I used to always go for that that two o'clock, two, three o'clock chocolate bar at the local dairy just to get me through. Um, and that became quite a bad habit. But then anyway, so I managed to do it and it was really good and I was really happy with it. I pencil sketched everything, did everything on the computer, I put these textures in. And I was quite proud of the book and I hadn't really done a children's book. But then, it went, you know, but then, you know, with the, the, the deal it was, it's like the author gets 5%, the illustrator gets 5%. Then it's forty percent for the publisher, and the rest goes to the retailer. And then it's been sold all over the world. It won like a book award, and I think the royalties were like they got like one thousand five hundred dollars or something. And and that was I had enough, some money up front, and I'm still not actually really making anything from it, even though it's sold everywhere. And I sort of felt like the amount of time I worked out three three weeks, sorry three three yeah no, three months on that, or um you know like really it sort of it just, it just, you know, didn't really make money back. No. <laughs> but Leo, but Leo loved it, and we drew from the book. And I went to the school, and we did like book week, and I did some drawing in the assembly, and it kind of, the kids all really loved it, and and some people saw it in England, and those things were really nice. But I did feel like there was so much time, there was so much work to do. Mm. Was it really worth it? And I've kind of ticked it off, but. Your, I mean, your, your book will be, um, you know, always be read and I'll have to go get myself a copy now. Oh, you'll be getting a copy. Don't worry about it. Um, so that's, don't worry about that. Um, so a question around, I did have a question for you around, I just want to talk about this because I think it's really important. So you, you have your fine art side, which is like your beautiful kind of one-offs originals, which you'll try to develop, but you also have this accessible art. I call it accessible art. Yeah. Yeah, basically, you know, they're prints and it's designed that a lot of people will own those prints. It makes it cheaper for them to have a bit of New Zealand art in their homes or in their offices. Like for you, like how how does that, how do you feel about that? I mean, because you've got that commercial side, it might sit easier, but does it feel weird to you sometimes? Uh, I don't think it feels really weird for, for me, but um, just to sort of correct you, I haven't done that many original one-off pieces. I've, I've sort of dabbled with a bit of painting and things, but 
for different exhibitions, like group exhibitions. But, you know, even though I came from painting years ago, um, it's sort of like, I haven't really sort of worked out if I want to do an original piece, what should I do? What paint should I use? What brushes do I use? What do I paint on wood? Do I paint on canvas? Yeah. You know, like what size should it be? There's quite it a be? lot of what? questions. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, you're probably like, like me, like a lot of people, where's the time? You, you had yeah. you know, your podcast, like, so I really need the time to actually go, I'm going to just develop this and just play around yeah. with it mm. and allow myself to play around with it to try and work out a solution. And, and then, so, so that's almost, and I've had a little go in, in evenings and things, but, you know, I don't think I've really kind of sussed it yet, but I do have my screen prints, which are limited edition prints. Mm. So I keep the edition quite low, like 20 or 50, and they're signed and they're dated. They're slightly bigger, and they do feel a lot more special, like two to three color screen prints. <laughs> then I've got the um, the open edition prints, which are like the next, so they're, they're more sort of affordable and, you know, prints, like A4 print for like uh, $49, I think. Mm. So, and yeah, they, they are signed, but I've got my own printer, so print sort of in-house and print to order. So that's my dog again. <laughs> Sophie should be quiet. Um, be fine. I can come. We've had a baby screaming <laughs> my podcast before. We're good with the dog. It's yeah, she's quite she's quite a needy kind of dog, but um, very cute but quite barky. But yes, yeah, so I have got those. I have got those sort of like different. But I think that's quite good. I think what I need to do is go. These are the open edition prints and the different sizes. A four, A three, A two, A one, and then you've got the limitation screen prints. But I think I need that more screen prints and then that next tier of the original piece. Like is, is there one piece that you do that's the key piece that's a higher price point? And then there's like some prints from that that maybe are just like a part of that. And then you have like a little smaller crop, which is like a cheaper one. So I think having affordable art is really good, but I think I do need to have some of those bigger, bigger pieces in the, uh, in the range that are, you know, sort of a bit more expensive and a bit more special. So that is definitely something on the cards and I've kind of been thinking about it for quite a while, but it's just, I don't, I, yeah, I haven't quite nailed it just yet. I'm just looking, like I'm looking around my office and I think, you know, I've got, there's like four prints in here already. And I do think that with, and they're varying from like a bit more exclusive to less ones. Yeah. I do think one of the most beautiful things about this age, and one of the things I said in the intro, which you haven't heard, mm. was, you know, when, when my mum, my mum was a potter and you know, when she was, a, she's very creative and she's in her 70s now. And I look at it and go, I, re, I wonder what her life would have been like if she was born like 40 years later. Because it is possible now to be an artist and have this thing because we want, we've become a, a, a mm. people who are used to understanding and seeing the beauty of other people's art mm. in our houses. We have prints, we, we have pieces of pottery and stuff. Because before... She was always on the fringe. It was considered a bit hippie-ish to be an yes. artist. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I hate, hate, always hated that sort of idea of like, I had a boss who used to come over and say, oh, you guys put away your crayons now. And we talk about the, the arty-farty kind of group. And he'd say that and people at school and just not being taken ser seriously. Like, thing is like a craft. It's a part-time thing. It's sort of a hobby, but, you know, it's it's not. But I did go to a gallery in Ponsonby a couple of weeks ago and I was looking at some of their artwork, the Lynn Gallery, and, um, you know, the amazing, uh, like, a lot of them were probably considered, like, street artists, but just the, um, you know, the, the richness of some of those prints and the sort of the skill, and then the, the way they're presented with the beautiful frames, and they had, like, um, reflective free glass, so almost like the, the, the paper was almost, like, in front of the glass, um, floating, and I just thought, you know, these pieces might be, like, three grand or five grand or eight grand, but it actually feels like it's totally worth it because it's presented so well and so beautifully. It's like, 
that is an amazing piece of art and i just thought you know it, it, it totally feels like it's worth that that price because it does look so beautiful and so unique and um so i think there's definitely something in that to to, to create those pieces and for pe people who actually do want something that's like a something larger on their wall that's a bit more special and not everyone's got and i, I want to say to that because and you might have a different point point of view but for me when i go to choose art I choose something that evokes quite a strong emotional attachment because I feel like, like I've got a, a, a print on my wall here and, and I got it because my parents actually got it for me, but I asked them for it. I got it because every time I saw it, it made me feel this happiness. And so like if I'm having a bad day in the office or whatever, yeah. and I just glance up and look at that print, I just feel mm. automatically better. And, and that's the gift, right? Yes. And yes. so I don't care really if someone else doesn't think it's fashionable or doesn't think it's art, real art or mm. whatever. Your art and art is art is still a very intensely personal thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we had someone come into the gallery the other day and she just like, she goes, I've only got a couple of minutes and looking around, I love all your stuff. And I just, it just makes me smile. And I thought that's actually just a really nice compliment. You know, like I just thought it just sort of seems to provoke some, you know, just like not so warm fuzzy sometimes. I love all the nostalgic kind of work you know and yeah. imagery from the childhood memories of the beach and the batch and time spent with family or the old bike you used to have or all that kind of stuff it just kind of i love old photographs and i just sort of yeah i, I mean there's a lot of stuff, cool stuff coming up i'm sure but i can't help but like look back at that and look at all that no that i love it well we talked before the podcast you know about the stranger things effect right and that that nostalgia thing i do think that there is this cry with all the other stuff that has when mm. we look back to our to our childhood like back yeah. then what we're doing is we're saying remember that time where there was connection like i heard yes. this really cool thing the other day which was nostalgia is memories without anxiety right yeah yeah and yeah. so when you see like the surfboard near the beach oh. or you see a caravan or you see mm. all those kind of kiwiana type beachy things mm. you forget the fact that you didn't get good sleep because you got super sunburnt and because your parents are too cheap to put you in a nice this is my own channel yeah. you just spent three days in the bloody tent because you can't leave because he's that, no snoring you forget yeah, snoring the yeah. fact that they didn't give you the warm sleeping bag because you, yeah. you know, they gave it to the, the little brother. Like you forget all that stuff and you go, mm. oh yeah, that was the life. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think I think so. I think I mean, I just I know I was kind of like not really into like I, I love stranger things, a little bit of that stuff. Yeah. But really, I'm not really into like making sort of dark arts or no. you know, like edgy stuff. I'm kind no. of there's no under yeah. underside like the other side side for you. Like there's no the uh, other no. no. I mean, I do like I mean, I do like some you know sort of like uh, you know gangster movies and things like that. And, yeah. and and but yeah, I kind of feel like there's so much going on in the world. I quite like just I, things that mean a lot to me. And I'm, and my parents used to do trips. So they couldn't really afford trips overseas, so we just. No. You know, pop-up camper we used to take around it's like same it was like, yeah and it was like go and stay different places so we went to Aripara up to the Shipwreck Bay we go right down to you know down to like um, New Plymouth and different places and yeah and it was those childhood memories and um, yeah some of them probably weren't the you know like you, you don't remember some of those things you said about but you do remember the places and the surf or the ice cream you got there or jumping off the wharf and all that and sort of that more sort of sim simple kind of life and um and yeah, so that's why I try and try to sort of capture in my work. Millie's really bugging me, actually. Yeah, it's okay. Just grab her and we'll come back. Yeah, come on.
Viking to go out, now Viking to come in. I yeah, and you know what? She'll probably do the whole thing again in a few moments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to concentrate with the constant, like, scratching all the barking but um yeah but I'm, I'm all good now she's gone so it is totally fine i do totally know the feeling because seriously um having three dogs it's a miracle one of them hasn't also barked during this time i this has been such a great conversation greg and i've really enjoyed it um are you like if people want to find out about you so there's two things that people could talk to you about they could come to your website right and yes. buy some of your art yeah <laughs> if good. Do this, yeah. and then also collaborations like that would be amazing the ones that give you I mean you'd love any good commercial works anything but those ones where you get to be Greg straight with your genius collaborating with a brand is like the A++ right it is it is and it's not sometimes like you know there's always that the, the client always wants something and you've got what you do so there is always that sort of place to meet in the middle but um you know something like McDonald's I did some work for McDonald's a couple of summer campaigns and you know that was quite amazing. I got a little, I'm sure I got a little bit of flack about about some of working with McDonald's, like and being so commercial. But they were so good to work with. They kind of it was one change. I did the artwork. I listened to what they wanted, gave it to them, and it was they just rolled it out. And 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 so it's like um yeah, there's sometimes there's just that you know it always is what the, what the client kind of wants. But sometimes when the client's too strong with it, and you just have to mold. But in the day, you do have to also make make some money and pay the bills. So yeah, yeah. You can't, so you can't be too picky. You can't be too picky with a lot of no, stuff. No, you can't. So if they <laughs> want to find you on Instagram, it's Greg Stray Art. Is that right? It is. It is. I've yes. put a link to that in the show notes. And then, what's your website for people checking out your art? And it's um, it's just uh, it's just Greg Stray Shop, and the portfolio of commercial work is just GregStray.com. And then we've also got the gallery at um at Ten Bergdale Road. Oh it's yes, definitely. that's right. So you can come and see you in person in Auckland, and it's a your studio, you have a gallery at the front and then you actually work in the back. Is that right? Yes, yes. And we've got a couple of uh, hot desks that a couple of friends who are designers work in there. So, yes, yeah, so I can talk to people and just ask them what they think about things. And it's, it's, but there's a lot of stuff to do. So you've got commercial work, artwork, gallery, dog, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see why the dog doesn't come into the office. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the reason there's not much surfing going on at the moment. Yeah, I can imagine. Too much to do. Yeah, no, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. No and um, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Yes, thank you very much. I love your work and thanks for oh, everything. Thank you, thank you. I always come away from having a conversation with Greg in a super good mood. And I think it's because he gives me hope and reminds me that my creative side is really worth investing in. And even though he has struggled in the past himself of getting that balance right, it's a real reminder that for those of us who have a creative drive and need to create, whether it's in art, it's in design, it's in writing, whatever it is, in dance, <laughs> wearing a road cone costume, whatever it is, that we do need to make sure that we have room for that in our lives and that it's okay to think commercially about your gift and make it part of your life, your business life. For those of you that are creative and feel like that part of you is not engaged and not growing, I really encourage you to start working out a way to prioritize finding a space for that. For me, one of the things that's helped is to use that in my marketing to wear costumes and be silly and create has helped me be liberated. And from that, that start to help me make space in my whole life to do things like write my book. 
It's a cost, but it's a worthwhile cost. And I really encourage if you've got something that you want to create, if you've got that creative drive inside you, feed it, stop hiding it and see what happens. If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.